0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with Senior Writer and Editor Scott Smith, and we have a Week 1 win to talk about, Yes, always our favorite on this show, and then we're going to, of course, look ahead to the Saints game, and if you have any questions for us, you can leave those underneath our Facebook Live video. We'll get to those in a minute. So, of course, as always, we just like to start with major takeaways from the game, which is always a more fun segment after a win, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah, it sure is. Uh, Obviously, that was a defensive-driven game, and it was a dominant defensive performance, and that's where you, you should begin when describing how the Buccaneers won that game. game but honestly the biggest takeaway for me was that the offensive line performed a lot better than probably a lot of people outside the building anticipated that it would. Now to be clear there was plenty of confidence in that line inside the building and particularly Jason Light has been outspoken about how the Buccaneers have confidence particularly in the two young guys Robert Hainsey and Luke Gedeke playing center and left guard and we have talked I think on this show about how those guys were drafted to become starters. It was a 3rd round pick on Hanzy. They didn't know if they were going to be able to re-sign Ryan Jensen, so they anticipated him, you know, taking over at some point. And when they drafted Luke Gedeke in the 2nd round, they said this guy's competing right now for the starting left guard job, mm-hmm. which he won. The offensive line performed very well. They actually ran the ball extremely well. Leonard Fournette did to the left side behind Luke Gedeke and and um, Donovan Smith and then Josh Wells and tight ends over there as well. Both both of the rookie tight ends did a great job blocking, according to the coaches. And it was just a really encouraging performance by those guys. And I had Luke Gedeke on our Salty Dogs podcast yesterday, and he was he was saying that it was a huge boost of confidence for him. And, and that's good. He's yeah. like, they feel a lot better moving forward. They got that first game in. It was against a pretty good defensive mm-hmm. front. And they not only held their own, they kind of dominated at times. To me, that's the biggest takeaway from the game. And in a broader perspective, I think it shows that while this team has been passing attack driven with Tom Brady the best passing attack in the league the last two years and there's going to be some huge days for those guys I have no doubt whatsoever but this team might have a different formula some weeks for winning and it kind of harkens back to old Buccaneer days of really good defense and a really good running game
0: yeah and to know you can do that and I agree with you about the confidence on the O-line I mean I think this game it had all the elements of what you want to feel confident that it's prime time and it's you know, the first game of the season, and it is, again, it's a good defensive front, where it's one thing to just have a game under your belt. It's another for it to have all those different elements of under the bright lights, in the big moment, that you can do that against a good defensive front, that you're right, that now it's like, oh, well, what else could be thrown at us? Although, again, this week, going to one of the loudest, hardest places, I do think it'll be a great test for not just their ability to play, but their communication.
1: It will be. It will be a good test, and we'll see if they can string some games like that together in a row. But, you know, they they also only allowed two sacks of, of Tom Brady, And that's one of the things that's been a really good harbinger for success for the Buccaneers in since Tom Brady got here. When they have allowed zero to two sacks in a game, look at that, twenty-three and two. Wow! So keeping the pressure off Tom Brady is paramount, and they did that.
0: I know Uh, Brady appreciates it too.
1: Yeah. And now there's you can and they didn't. They only committed five penalties. That's been good. They had barely had positive points off of turnovers. It was one each and we got a field goal and they didn't, but still it counts. Yep. And then that run 21 plus times. Now it is very true that that is not always causative, right? Yes, The it's causal relationship. Winning, yeah. So but run, run. I didn't choose 30 plus runs. I chose 21, which is not a ton. I mean, that's yeah. that's a normal number. So you can get there without it being game specific. You can run 20, 21 times in a game, whether you're ahead or behind or whatever. Right. 14 and three. So, listen, if the Buccaneers can do this, I'm not saying it's going to happen every week. I'm just saying we might win some games in a different way than we've been used to seeing the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, and I know I asked Todd Bowles about that on our radio show of, is this a game plan that is the Todd Bowles' ideal game plan? (laughs) And he said, no, the Todd Bowles' ideal game plan is what the game decides it should be. Okay, yeah. Which I think is, it speaks to it either way, that it's Mm -hmm. there is not going to be one formula, but now the team knows that whether it is, the deep ball passes it is a pass heavy game like week one of last year where Brady's yeah, throwing 50 exactly. times yeah. or it's this way I think and that it's the same team, so. And it's yeah so we know that it whatever can be done different, yeah. it can be done in any way and that that's what Bowles really seems to be you know harping on is that look we're not just going to say this is what we do no matter what each game could be different and now we know we can do it a bunch of different and ways the key
1: there is that if you have to do it that way you're capable of doing yes. so yes
0: which is gonna be great. And so now I know another area that doesn't always get the love, doesn't always get the attention, but was a storyline coming out of the preseason was the special teams, that there were some games in the preseason where the performance, you know, whether it was the coverage or missing a couple field goals or whatever it might be, wasn't what the team was hoping for, even the return game, all of that. So what were the things that you felt like you saw week one from the special teams front, coverage, return, actual kicking?
1: Well, it's not just the preseason. It dates back to the last year where there were some areas of the special teams that that were not up to what the standard or what the team wanted in in a game, especially in games like against the Saints, it was it was it was common that they would have a special teams edge because they would kick and they would cover better than we would. And in the yeah, in the special teams there were some coverage issues and some long returns. But Todd Bowles explained that they were having Jake Kamarta just blasted as far as he could, so he they were trying specifically not to get fair catches because they wanted to evaluate a bunch of cover guys. Right. And then they did, and it was a lot of guys, and not all of them are on the team right now, and so it really isn't what we're doing now. hmm the special teams in that game in Dallas probably wasn't the winning edge because the defense was so dominant and we won by 16 points, but if that game had been close, special teams might have been the edge right there. You know, Ryan Suckup made four of his five field goals, uh, Jay Camarta lasted as a 65-yarder, he hit one off the scoreboard that didn't count, but overall, his other two punts were one was fair caught for like a 40-something yard net and one was returned for three yards and they have a really dangerous return, man. So. There were some numbers coming out of that game, like the kickoff drive start for the Cowboys, like where they started after the kickoffs on average, was 18.8 yards, and that was the best in the league. That was a lot better than what the Buccaneers yep. were getting last year. So, uh, I mean, here, here's some of it right there. The kickoff drive start, first uh, average. Actually, I, I made a mistake there. That punt drive start was not first. It was fifth, but still pretty good. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the, the typo there. But gross putting average, net putting average, and Kate Otten. Uh, Look at three tack- He was blowing people up that's on amazing. special teams, and KJ Britt also had two tackles. So there were a lot of nice performances on special teams, and it came together into what could have been a winning edge had it been a really close so game. That is
0: amazing <clears> to see with Cade because, as we talked about his contributions to this team, I don't think we mentioned special teams. I don't think I was thinking at about any it. point. Yeah. yeah, I don't believe we thought that that was going to be where he could make some of his biggest yeah. contributions. So that's just icing on the cake.
1: And hey, before the game on the radio, Jason Light was talking about all the rookies that were gonna make an impact. And this is a very veteran team. We have like 15 guys who are 30 or older. But K Dotten, awesome Mm -hmm. on special teams, very good blocking, Jake Camarda, Luke Gedecky had a great game. Yep. Rashad White didn't get to play a ton, but he looked pretty good when he did. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody, but I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of different. coach was in Hall, there Co-Keefe, for a bit. Cokieff blocked yeah, really well early on. They all got in there. That's going to be so interesting. Well, how about we take a look now at the Saints game, and what are some of the biggest things that we know? This is a team we know very well. So the, this team this year, new head coach, few new pieces. What is going to be, in your mind, similar or different mm-hmm. to the other matchups that, and especially what we hope will be different, yeah. is a win as compared to the last seven regular seasons?
1: Yeah. Uh, but not the playoffs
0: not the playoffs we're good
1: uh, you we know that. I'll segue into this by saying have you seen our injury report this week
0: yeah I was uh, I was trying to forget the injury I, I think report. they should just
1: put offense <laughs> questionable the right entire offense. five I think receivers you and I are
0: going to get called on
1: <laughs> potentially five of the seven receivers are on the injury report for the Bucks. the reason I bring that up not to bring this whole Datter, show down wah, right wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> um is that the Saints have a new-look receiving core, and it's something that has me a little bit concerned in this matchup. Um, Michael Thomas has missed most of the last two years, I think he's played seven games. Uh, He's back, and it was sort of a question mark, is he fully healthy coming into the season? Well, he scored two touchdowns. They signed Jarvis Landry kind of late in the offseason after the draft. You see the day that he had, Mm -hmm. and most of this was like in the fourth quarter, by the way, because they couldn't get their passing game going for the whole first half. Right. And uh, and then Chris Olave is the guy. They took him 11th overall, but that was after several trades. So the amount of draft capital they poured into getting Chris Olave was actually pretty huge. Mm -hmm. This is what they have now. Last year it was no Michael Thomas. It was it was a bunch of guys that you had barely heard of, and it really they sunk to actually the worst passing attack in the league, 32nd in passing yards. I think they're looking a lot different. James Winston is back, he's, he's healthy, and he's leading that uh, band there, and they have a trio of receivers that is gonna test our guys. Now, our guys, uh, did a great job in coverage in the Dallas game, but Dallas had C.D. Lamb and then a bunch of guys that you haven't basically heard of. It'll, it'll be a bigger test now. Carlson Davis and Jamel Dean were great in coverage. Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. did really well in the slot, and I think they're, I, I know they're up for the challenge, but it is a bigger challenge this week.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, we do have a uh, Facebook question oh, here. Um, Kyle wanted to know uh, why did Sean Murphy Bunting not get more time in the secondary?
1: Well, he didn't get any. Actually. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, he kind of put that. I was trying to make it a little bit nicer.
1: <laughs> (laughs) Okay. Well, because Jamel Dean won the starting job, Antoine Winfield was in the slot, and and before we had three corners playing a lot because you're in nickel a lot and the third corner was on the field. With Antoine Winfield getting all the slots, slot snaps in this game, there just wasn't... A package that they needed Sean for, but Coach Bowles has said they did have some other things that would have involved Sean and maybe even Keanu Neal, who also didn't play on defense. They just didn't get to them because of what the Cowboys were doing and what the Bucks were doing was working. I mean, I think that's the key right there. Now, we know we have a very good player in Sean Murphy Bunting available to play, and he didn't get a chance in this game, but in this particular game, what they were doing was working, and if it is, you stick with it, right? You stick
0: with it, yeah, and we were talking about the wide receiver uh, injuries here. Chad wanted to know now that Chris Godwin is out for a couple weeks uh, would Julio be that number two then Gage, then paraman Or what do you see as the uh, order there and also depending on the different yeah. injury situations I think, how this could look? I, I
1: think I'll answer the question under the assumption that everybody's healthy and I don't think that's actually a valid assumption because I doubt that all five of those guys in the injury report are going to be fine for this game. But in, in terms of health, if Chris Godwin wasn't there and everybody else is available, I think Julio Jones is probably your second outside guy, mm-hmm. along with Mike Evans, and Russell Gage is your primary slot guy. Now, maybe in just a two-receiver set, it's probably a mixture of Russell Gage and Julio Jones, right. but uh, if you have three on the field, which you do, which you do usually more than 50% of the snaps, it's probably Mike and Julio on the outside and Russell Gage in the slot.
0: Okay, and then uh, Richard asked, what is going on with Kyle Rudolph that he was not active? I thought he would be a good blocker.
1: Well, I mean, he probably would be, but the Bucs have been very happy with the way that Kate Otten and Co-Keeft in particular have been blocking, and both those guys did prove good in that regard in that game. But Coach Bulls said yesterday that the difference was special teams. and they thought we
0: saw the Kate Otten yeah. stats there.
1: I mean, if you didn't have Kate Otten on those coverage units, it might have been worse, right? So um, both those guys contributed on special teams, and they didn't really have a role for Kyle on special teams. And part of the thing here is, A, you're keeping up six receivers, and B, you gotta name six guys inactive, right? There isn't a whole lot of chaff on that defensive side. You have four yeah. corners because Jamichael comes out, you got four safeties, you got four outside linebackers plus one you elevated in Genard Avery. You got four inside linebackers and just you look and go, where are we going to find an inactive mm-hmm. from? And you mostly have to take from, from offense. offense. So yeah. we notably only kept three backs and three tight ends active and they felt felt with the special teams contributions that Cade and Kai would make, it made more sense to keep them up.
0: Okay. And then we will uh, close with this one. Christopher said are the Bucks looking to sign another offensive lineman? since the Donovan Smith injury?
1: Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think this is a long-term thing at all. Um, we know how tough Donovan is, right? Mm-hmm. They called this a pain... Coach called it a pain tolerance issue. Now, if he doesn't play, I don't want it to sound like we're calling out his toughness. He's right. extremely tough. He's missed one game since he was drafted in 2015, and we know at times he's played through injuries to make that happen. So if, it, if there's a player who can get through a pain-tolerance issue, it's Donovan Donovan. Smith. Now, it could just be too bad that he can't play. We'll see later in the week, but I don't think this is a long-term thing, so I doubt they'll sign anybody.
0: All right, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and we'll be back here next week, so make sure you send in your questions then.